This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Welcome back after two weeks. I'm sorry for being gone, but welcome back to Missions, Bringing Order to Chaos, or as Pastor Ned apparently so lovingly refers to it as, uh, how did he say it? It was, it was this really cool title, but uh, clear, bringing clarity to chaos. That works. It's got the C and the C. So, all right, good on you, Pastor Ned. So, um, we're here now. We're on lesson six, believe it or not, and we'll be wrapping up pretty soon. I uh, appreciate your patience. But tonight, I'm going to give you a fair warning. Um, it's a lot of scripture. And I'm not going to be presenting really too many new ideas to you that you've never heard before, maybe just framing them in a slightly different way. So we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture tonight. A lot of you will be reading Scripture tonight because I'm going to divvy up quite a bit. And, uh, and I'm excited to see how we, we start pulling all of this together. There's no one text. So we'll, uh, let's review for a minute since I've been gone, and then we'll dig right in. But... We know that there is chaos that is all around us. Okay, This is defined in all kinds of ways, but we specifically need to look at what chaos is biblically, and we'll get to that. But we're stuck in it. We're mired by it. We're captive to it. Everywhere we turn, there is more and more chaos, either that you know humanity helps create or there's natural chaos that abounds. It's just all over the place. And what we understood then in Lesson 2 was that God came really from outside of any... I mean, there was nothing to be there, but God came from outside and created. He was an outside force that made all things, as opposed to good having to rise up and fight evil, and then now there's this cosmic battle. God just was. He created all things, and with the word of his mouth, all things came into being. And that's the God that we do serve. And so that he was already immediately Lord of all things. And so with that, when he created these things, he embedded the principles of order. And we looked at those principles of order that we see in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And we look at all of those principles. And, and it's one thing we've talked about this, and I'll just we're going through a review we can look around and be frustrated that things don't line up with how we want it, but that doesn't mean that it's in chaos. If we want, uh, you know, if we want perfectly straight lines and it's, you know, it's it's barely out, that doesn't mean oh the world's in chaos. Order is what God says it is, and that's what the principles of order uh, tell us about. And then, not only did Jesus create the world and create order, but then He mandated it. He told mankind, look. Your job, okay, here's this perfect picture, here's the garden, go outside of the garden and bring order to the rest of the world, have dominion, right? And then what we understood is that we failed, and that's when chaos, rather than mankind bringing order to the chaos, chaos came and devoured mankind. And so from Cain and Abel onward, we saw this descending into utter confusion, utter chaos. I'm reading through Genesis right now, and it just, it's amazing to me. I mean, even when it comes to Lot and the incestuous relationship with him and his two daughters, I mean, it's just chaos abounds all over the place because of sin. Milena asked me the other night, 
Um, we were talking when we were going over her kids for truth, and she said, yeah, but it was Adam and Eve's fault that we did all this. She, they, they ate the apple. And I say, well, we, you know, we're all sinners too. So it started there, but we, we've all participated. And so chaos has its own principles. We looked at that. Go back and review if you need to. But even within that chaos, Christ was working. He was turning it against itself, and he was using chaos to defeat chaos so that ultimately the ultimate chaotic event, Christ on the cross, he used that to crush the head of the serpent. And so now, tonight, what I want to look at is lesson number six, and I want to look at Jesus Christ, the ultimate order bringer. This is really the crux. This is where we begin to really dive in. The, the lesson objective is simple. Oops. Oh, ha, there's the review. I finally made a review slide, and then I forgot to use it. <sighs> All right. Okay. That would have helped streamline a lot of things. All right. Lesson objective. We want to help the student to see how Jesus brought order to both the physical and spiritual chaos, and he paved the way uh, for order to win. I don't want you to just kind of know about it. I want you to see it in the scriptures tonight. And so if you tab one key takeaway, it would be this. Christ took on flesh, entered into chaos, and came out victorious so that you and I can do the same in him. And so, well, that just doesn't want to stay in my hand. So we have three, if I'm thinking correctly, yes, for us, we have three lessons left. We had to kind of crunch it all in because, sadly, I believe I'm, yeah, I'm on a big 10-day trip at the end of the month. So we have this week, next week, and the week after. Crushing it all in together. And so, um, so we're getting ready to go warp speed, but I know you're smart, so you can hang with me. So the first thing that we look at then is, is tonight we're looking at Christ being the absolute order bringer. And the first thing that we need to realize then is the reality of Jesus. The reality of Jesus. First of all, he stooped down from heaven to earth. So I don't know how to do this without embarrassing anybody. Does anybody not want to read? You can just like, so nobody sees you, only me. Okay? All right? Two people don't want to read. Three people don't want to read. That's okay. All right. So I will try to remember those people that said they don't want to read, and I will go, Brother Canfield, would I be able to get you? You don't need to read John 1, 1 through 14, but just John 1, about 1 through 4 would be fine. Brother Tony... Could you do uh, Hebrews 2, 5 through 10? Um, Mrs. Long, Galatians 4, 4. Miss Wanda, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. If you could also get Mark 1, 13, please. Coming up to, uh, let's see, where are we at here? Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. Miss Sandra, would you be able to get that? And that's page one for me, and that's point number one. So that's where we'll stop for now. So um, not that I don't want to turn to all of these myself, but there's a lot to look at, and it's important. And so 
Let's go ahead. The first thing that we need to realize is that Jesus stooped from heaven to earth. So John 1, about 1, 1 through 4. I will turn there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was in the life of man. Thank you. And then what we're going to do is skip down um, into verse... Well, I should have had that. Uh, 1, 1 through 14 is great. There we go. Can you read verse 14 for us, please? Would you be able to? Yes, sir. The Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you. So we need to look back and remember then, again, everything tonight, very simple truths. But I want us to see how it all begins to culminate. We're looking through that diamond still, uh, looking from Genesis to Revelation, uh, through the prism of order to chaos. So Christ, who lived in perfect order, who was outside of all things, Christ who, who was the creator, the mandator, the perfect being, stooped out of perfection, out of non-chaotic environment, and came down to earth. And then what's amazing, and I, I'm sure you've heard this before, but in verse 14, where it talks about how he dwelt among us, that's the idea. He, he, he made himself a tent among us. He took on flesh and actually let that be his dwelling. He tabernacled among us. That's amazing to me. And I'm sure it is to you as well. And so, um, and that's really, I don't have tons of super great insights tonight. I, I thought on this, I meditated over it. What I've got is scripture tonight. So I hope, and that's better than anything I've got. So I hope that it just, I hope we see some things. So he stooped from heaven to earth. Not only that, but he was made fully man. Hebrews 2 verses 5 through 10. Thank you. So again, there, and we went over this one of the last lesson, quoting directly from Psalm 8, telling us how mankind failed, right? We had the, the, the picture of perfection in Psalm 8. Everything that man was supposed to attain to, we're left wondering what in the world. And here, 
Hebrews chapter 2 fills it back in. He says, yeah, it, it never came to me. It, all things are supposed to be under their feet, but it's not. But we see Christ who came. So Christ came and became fully man. And we also have Galatians 4.4. 4. Sorry. I got So Christ came out of being above the law, right? The giver of the law. Christ came out of living in absolute perfection. And then he was made of a woman. He was fully flesh. He took on the law. This is what Christ came and did. Then we have that he was affected by chaos. So he stooped from heaven to earth. He was made fully man. And then Jesus was affected by by chaos, Isaiah chapter 53. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Thank you. So Christ comes from outside of everything. And it's just something I want us to keep hammering back on. And then he could have come and he could have lived so separately from mankind. And yet he allowed chaos to afflict him. He allowed chaos to overcome him. His stripes, right? He, pain, suffering, sin, death, all of that came upon Christ he was affected by this chaos. Jesus Christ was also affected, though untouched, by temptation in Mark 1.13. Thank you. So this word tempted, there's a couple of words in Greek for tempted. This one in particular often gives the idea of, um, of, of Satan tempting someone, desiring that they fall, desiring that they be devoured by a sin. That's the idea of this temptation. It wasn't just easy, and we all know, we all know the account of Christ being tempted, but it's important that we realize that Christ never had to be affected by any of this. He could have stood on the outside and, and, and looked in and said, man, that's an ugly Petri dish. You all kind of let yourself uh, just go, go to waste, and so I'm not touching it. But rather, he came in. He was affected by chaos. He was affected by sin. He was tempted. And so therefore, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, he understands all of our sufferings. That's one of the... Oh, I'm so, no, no, my fault. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Thank you. One of the most profound verses, I think, in the Bible, I mean, there's a lot of verses that I would probably say that about, but this idea um, cannot be touched, uh, we have not in high priests that cannot be touched 
by the feeling of our infirmities. That word is literally, it's in Greek, it looks like the word sympathy. It's where we, it's, we transliterate that and make that word sympathy in English. So this word in Greek is saying he sympathizes with us. He completely understands the pain. He understands sickness. He understands sorrow. He understands suffering. All of this chaos came at Christ for you and for me. And so when we get the reality of Christ, when we really see that he didn't have to, but he stooped down. He didn't have to, but he became fully man and then stayed fully man to this day. He was affected by chaos. He was affected but untouched by temptation, and now he understands all of our sufferings. What that does is put into perspective everything else that we're getting ready to look at. So number two, what we see then is that the principles of order, I know that I did this. I said come up point by point. I guess I messed up. That's okay. All right, you get them all at one time. But the principles of order are fulfilled by Jesus. This was amazing to me. I, I really wasn't trying to contrive these things, but as I was kind of meditating on the principles of order uh, that we look back, so if you don't remember them, they're going to be right here, but go back to lesson two when we talk about God's creation of order. Okay, And there you'll see them laid out in Genesis. But it's amazing. Um, I only took the book of Mark because that's what I was going through at the time. You could find many more verses to back this up throughout all of the Gospels. I'm just giving you a small smattering. Small smattering. There we go. So let's see. Brother Kelly, could I get you to do Mark 1.1? Brother Shoemaker, Mark 8.29. Uh, Brother Warren, Mark 1.10-12. Brother Mike, would you mind doing Matthew? I'm going to throw you off. I'm going to do Matthew 12, 27, and 28. Would you be able to do Mark 3, 13 through 19? Miss Melissa, Mark 14, 36. Mom, Mark 9, 2 through 3. Brother Fowler, Colossians 2, 9. Mrs. Fowler, Luke 2, 52. Man, I'm just, like, I, Mrs. Blackburn, I'm struggling tonight. John 10, 30. It's amazing. When you stand up in a place, I hope you all have the experience one day of standing up in front of people you've known for years, and it just goes. So, all right. <laughs> okay, all right. There we go. All right, so remember, the first principle of order is that order of any kind requires God. It, no God, no order. And Order cannot exist without there being a God. And so we see this then right away, Mark 1, 1. Uh, so, Brother Kelly. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All right, we have it. I mean, Mark's declaring it right out of the gate. Look, this guy isn't just anybody. He's not some prophet. He is the Son of God. He's the one that came to bring order. Mark eight twenty nine. The Christ, the Messiah, you are the one coming from God, the promised one. And so, right out of the gate, what we have, Christ comes to earth and immediately begins to fulfill the principles of order because he came as man but was fully God. 
Therefore, principle number one fulfilled. Second of all, or letter B, order requires division. Remember that. order. So remember in the creation account, light and dark, sun and moon and stars, dry land, water, firmament, land, all of that. So we have this division. Now we see that Christ comes, and when he's bringing order to everything, he follows this principle of proper division, Mark 1, 10 through 12. Straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open, and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. There came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. Thank you. So, um, okay, again, right away in Mark, like 10 verses into this, we see this holy division of Christ the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, all in, they're divided. They're not, uh, they are one, but they're not one, uh, just one, uh, how do we say it? I'm going to lose this here. Thank you. I'm sorry. Entity. Right. They're not just one entity. They're not an amorphous thing where, uh, they're three separate persons in one God. And we see Christ fulfilling that immediately. Order requires division. But then, kind of paradoxically, order also requires unity. You can't have unity, right, if there's differences all, uh, or if there's not differences, right? Life would be boring if there were no differences. If everything was just gray, right, then we wouldn't be able to discern anything. There has to be a division, but that division has to work with unity. Okay? And so we see Christ fulfilling this in Matthew 12, 27 and 28. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Thank you. So this is, again, this is amazing then. Because Christ is saying, I, I am... Not of the devil over here. There's division. I'm not the Spirit of God, is what he's saying, because he's not claiming to be that. He's saying, by the Spirit of God, I, Jesus Christ, God, am casting out these devils. There's a division, and there's also a unity of work in this. Christ is fulfilling this principle of order. That in order, that, that's a bad way to put it, for us to bring order, we must work in unity. There must be a unity. And we also see uh, in Mark chapter 3 verses 13 through 19. And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve, that they should be with him, and that they might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sickness, and to cast out devils. And Simon he, sur he surnamed Peter. And James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. And he surnamed them Boreneges, which is the sons of thunder. And Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also should betray him. And they went into a house. Thank you. You ever seen, you know, I, I like... And I know, well, I mean, we have Brother Andreessen, right? Tall husband, shorter wife, right? You see, uh, you know, when you ever watch these best friends or you see people walking around, it's like six foot two dude and a four foot nothing guy or, uh, you know, very large and very small or whatever the case might be. That's kind of the disciples. 
I mean, Christ called to him not not a people that were very ready to work with one another. You got Simon the Canaanite, right? Not Simon the Jew, Simon the Canaanite. And then you got him, and then you got the zealot. You have a guy that hates anybody that's not Jewish, wants to go after Rome, kill that. So you got these guys. And then, you know, I don't know, maybe this is sanctified imagination, but Christ is walking down. He sees uh, Peter and Andrew. He calls them a little further down the way. He calls James and John. Well, they probably weren't fishing partners. They're probably rival companies. And yet now they're working together. And so Christ is calling this, this very divided group and calling them into unity. What brought order to this world? What has brought the gospel across? It started with these 12 disciples that worked in unity with one another. This is an amazing principle of God's order is that he takes division, necessary division, and he unifies it for the sake of order. Then we have the fact that order requires submission. Order requires submission. Mark 14, 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not that I will, but what thou wilt. A verse I don't think I'll, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever be able to comprehend how God told God no. And then God obeyed God. I, I can't fathom that. And yet, there was a submission of God the Son to God the Father. Think about that. If there was no submission, there never would have been order, ever. We would be lost. We would be in utter chaos today, more than we already are in, because there would be no order. And yet, because of the submission of Christ, order Came. He fulfilled that principle. We see that order requires goodness or beauty. So Mark chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into an high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. No laundry person can make it that white. Christ's Beauty came through. How could he bring beauty to all of the ugly around him? Because he himself made all things beautiful. He was beauty himself came, that came to earth. Christ was full of goodness, and we also see in Colossians 2.9. For in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Right. So what's beautiful now is the fact that you and I also have Christ indwelling us. We might not be able to transfigure into uh, you know, the shining being, but that shining being lives inside of us. Christ fulfilled this principle of order in the fact that he was beauty himself. We have the order requires progress in Luke 2.52. Jesus Christ, God himself, learned things. He progressed. You know, he had to learn how to do carpentry. He had to learn uh, how to walk. He had to learn the Talmud. He had to learn the Torah. He had to learn all of these things. And by the principle of order, Christ progressed. And then, finally, we remember that order produces 
shamelessness. John 10, 30. I and my Father are one. There is no shame between Christ the Son and God the Father. There was a shamelessness because of the order that he was able to, or because of that, he was able to, because of the shamelessness, he was able to bring order. And because he was bringing good order, there was a shamelessness before God. Very quickly, we've got about 15 minutes left. Okay. What was amazing to me, and again, this isn't anything that I just, you know, like, I was like, hey, I'm going to think of these things. This was neat to meditate on and see all of this, but for sake of time, we're not going to go back and read Psalm 8 and all of these things. We're going to start paring things down. So who did I leave off with? Lord, do you mind reading? Are you good? Reading? Okay. Um, I'm not going to have you read all of Mark chapter 1. So let's not do that. Mark chapter 11, verses 9 through 10. Okay. And then I'm going to come back over here, Brother Canfield. Um, Psalm 8, verses, excuse me, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 1, verse 41. Um, Brother Tony, we're going to go with Mark chapter 10, verses 37 through 40. Mrs. Long, Mark 4, 39. Miss Wanda, Mark 11, 1 through 3. We have Matthew 17, 24 through 26. And Mrs. Kelly, Mark 16, 19. This blew my mind when I started to think about it. Um, because I've been thinking about this for a long time, and then all of a sudden it hit me. Um, Psalm 8 is completely fulfilled, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is a secret thing that only I figured. I mean, you, you know me, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Um, and, and I don't even think that Psalm 8 was necessarily predicting Christ specifically at that moment. But it's pretty amazing to see how Christ fulfilled all of Psalm 8, the perfect man. And so, uh, first of all, Jesus' name was excellent. So Mark chapter 1 starts off, we know that he's Christ, the Son of God. He is, uh, John is preaching in the wilderness. He's saying, look, I'm not even worthy to, to, to stoop down and undo this guy's shoes. He is so far above me, so out of my league. Christ came and Psalm 8.1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And immediately John saying, I am not worthy of you. Amazing to me. And then we see, uh, letter B, that the weak praised him. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength, right? Psalm 8.2, that thy enemies may be stilled. Uh, and I can't remember exactly how it's quoted, but basically there's vengeance coming, right? Out of the mouth of babes. Well, we have Mark chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. Those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. These were the children. We know that from Matthew. These were the weak ones that were proclaiming and singing praises to Christ. And so, here we have out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you, God, have ordained strength. And now Christ takes the children's hosannas, and he uses that as his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Pretty amazing. Jesus had cared 
for mankind. We look in Psalm 8, 3, and 4. Uh, when, I, when I see the, the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou shouldst visit him? And then we look at Mark 1, 41. Back over here. <laughs> He wasn't supposed to do that. He wasn't supposed to touch a leper. He wasn't supposed to do any of those things, and yet Christ came, and he literally had his bowels moved. That's what the word compassion means. So every reference there at letter C, that's every time that the word compassion is used, uh, at least in Mark. And so that word compassion, uh, I can't remember exactly. There's different endings, but I like the beginning of it. It's like splagazomai, right? Because, uh, but it means the bowels were moved. Christ was, I would almost say, he was so moved, it almost gives the idea of needing to throw up. He hurt so bad for people. This leper comes to him, and where others would have, they would have been moved. And they would have gone away. They would have said, ah, Christ broke for that man. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou shouldst visit him? Christ cared for mankind. Christ made a way for us to have glory and honor. Mark chapter 10. Thank you. Now we, we take that out of that, you know, the disciples silly squabble over who's going to do it. The amazing fact to me in that is that Christ said, no, there really, there's going to be people sitting on my right hand and left hand. I don't know who it will be, but they will. I mean, the fact that there's, there's potential, we rule and reign with Christ. He has crowned us with glory and honor. At this moment, we are told from Ephesians that we sit with Christ in the heavens. He crowned us with glory and honor. Jesus held all things in dominion. Mark 4.39 Thank you. Oh, sorry. Thank you. And so even the sea, Christ held all things in dominion. Peace, be still, and it was immediately so. Jesus controlled the beasts, Mark 11, 1 through 3. Say unto you, why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, 
And the donkey obeyed. I mean, that's amazing to me that in Psalm 8, it talks about how man has dominion over all the beasts of the field, and Christ comes, and who knows if he was thinking about Psalm 8 when he said, go give me that donkey real quick. Amazing. Jesus, okay, then mankind is in Psalm 8, 8, right? You've given him dominion over the fish of the sea. Matthew 17, 24 through 26. I must, I must, that's okay. It's still dealing with taxes. Don't worry about it. I might have put the wrong reference on there. But basically, the story that we're trying to get to is the fact that now Peter's like, what are we going to do about taxes? And Jesus says, go look for fish. He's given him dominion over the fish of the sea and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. Christ fulfilled it. To the, to the smallest detail. And then Christ has all dominion, Mark 16, 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. He now sits and reigns where he belongs. So what's amazing to me, the principles of order, all fulfilled by Christ. Psalm 8 to the verse, all fulfilled by Christ. Christ. All of these things that talk about order, all of it was done through Christ. Sorry, man, I'm really struggling tonight with all of the, the slideshow. There we go. And then the final one. Now, we're going to fly through the last one. I would encourage you to go and look up the references or something for a devotion. Um, but we're going to fly through it because it's important and we have other things to get to next week as well. Chaos then was defeated by Jesus. The chaos of religion, if you look at Mark 1 and all of the references there, over and over you're confronted by the Pharisees and the Pharisees are mad at everything Christ is doing and especially about the Sabbath, right? That was the big one. I looked up some things about the Sabbath to this day. I looked at an Orthodox Jewish website. It is amazing to me. It is heartbreaking to me the things that they cannot do and must do. You can't turn on a light on the Sabbath because that's kindling a fire, but you can't turn off a light because that's also smothering a fire. So whatever it is, you got to deal with it, kind of where it's at, right? You can't, there's a hundred, there's so many rules just about the Sabbath day. But Christ came in and he controlled the chaos of religion where people were so confused and Christ said, follow me. That's all you have to do. And then we see that Christ controlled the chaos of demons. If Mark chapter 1 wants you to get one thing out of it, it's that Christ defeated demons. Uh, Mark is an amazing... There's so many demons cast out in Mark. 
is ridiculous. Even in Mark chapter 1, over and over and over, Christ is casting out a demon here and here and here. This was a real problem, and it still is, mind you, uh, in in this country. And uh, and then I can tell you in Chuk, it's definitely a problem as well. Um, but Christ defeated that. There's no more... No more can demons do whatever they want when the power of Christ is there. He defeated the chaos of disease over and over. And this is just two passages, but over and over, the chaos of disease is defeated. The chaos of confusion was defeated. The chaos of nature. All right, I got those mixed up. Nature, we looked at, right? Peace be still. The chaos of confusion was defeated. Christ brought clarity to where there was confusion. The chaos of need was defeated. Christ fed the hungry. Christ provided for need. We see that the chaos of division, right? Wrong division was, was brought in Mark chapter 7. And then finally, or the last two are the most important. The chaos of sin was defeated. Mark chapter 2, the guys are bringing him, uh, bringing, these four men are bringing the paralytic to Christ, and Christ says, oh, your sins are forgiven you. Not your legs, but your sins. He defeated that chaos first, and then he can move on to the physical. And then he defeated the chaos of death. Now, I'm sorry, uh, we're done. But think back to the Enuma Elish, right? Remember, you have the Babylonian uh, idea of creation. You have Tiamat and Marduk, and Marduk had to rise up and struggle against Tiamat. And then even when he finally got to be the guy, he was pretty wicked. Look at how Christ chose to enter into it. And he allowed the struggle, but then he defeated it, and now he reigns. And so what I want you to meditate on this uh, this week, what are some modern instances these are still going on? Because as we look at the chaos was defeated by Christ, it's easy to look at that stuff from a long time ago, but Christ is still dealing with that today. He still defeats the chaos of religion and demons and disease and nature. Christ is in control of it all. And so our last two lessons... Uh, are going to really hone in, but the final question that we're going to turn to is then what is our role? We've spent these in, this entire series gearing up, looking at God, figuring out how He is creating uh, order over chaos, and now He leaves it to us, not in our power, but in Christ. And because of Christ, we're able to bring order. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.